you're only as strong as your weakest link. So if you make your weakest link incrementally better, your team gets incrementally better. Your results get incrementally better. Welcome to Bridge to Leadership with Neha. Together, we decode what leading means in the real world to grow your impact and influence. Hello and welcome to this episode of Bridge to Leadership. I am your host, Neha Singh. And today, we are going to explore some leadership lessons from a chief customer officer who also happens to be an ice hockey coach for young women athletes. I'm talking about Graham Gill, who is a sought-after voice in the customer success space. He is the chief customer officer for Precursive, a SaaS platform for uh, customer onboarding and project management. And Graham is absolutely passionate about making people around him succeed. And his leadership style talks about collaboration and creativity, which is exactly what we're going to unpack in today's episode. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome Graham, who's joining us all the way from New York. Hello, Graham. Hi, Neha. Thank you so much. I've, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, it was great to get to know you in the uh, in the lead up to this. I'm really excited we finally get to sit down and, and, and talk at length. Great. Yes, we have been talking so much. There's so many great things and all the things we've talked about, you know, around leadership, around customer success. And I'm, I'm just waiting to take this to the audience who's ready to hear us. So why don't we begin a little bit about, you know, uh, your background, your sure. childhood values, your ice hockey days, what got you excited about it and got got you into coaching? Yeah, so I that a lot to, to dissect there. My my journey has been a, a a meandering one. I never grew up and said I want to be a doctor, or a lawyer, or a firefighter. All really great professions, very linear. I'm very curious. Um, and, and and by being curious, I've had many different roles. As you said, I'm currently the chief customer officer at Percursive. Um, I've, I've also co-founded a services delivery alliance group, which is bringing other professional services and implementation folks together just because I'm curious and, and I want to continue to get better. So I've, I've run, uh, you know, built products, I've built sales teams, I've, I've built operations teams. And really the, the core centricity that I have is I like to surround myself with really smart people. I like to continue to learn. And I like to give back. And that's really what I think brought us together is just, you know, sort of that love and, and collaboration. Um, I got into hockey. I played. I played at college. Uh, I wasn't that really good. I had a daughter. Um, and I never knew really that there was this avenue for, for females to, to use hockey as a vehicle. Um, and so in the, the northeast of the United States, there's very competitive uh, female ice hockey. And so I got involved first as an assistant coach um, and really just got involved, took over my own team and started to realize that, you know, there's there was a difference between boys ice hockey and girls ice mm -hmm. hockey. And I was just fascinated by that. Um, and so I, I continued to to give back and, and learn. Um, it was an, an amazing experience. I know we're going to talk a little bit about it, but um, there's nothing you can say to me that's going to hurt my feelings or put me in a situation that didn't happen with a, a group of 20, um, 13, uh, 12, 13, 14 year old girls that are going through all their changes, struggling to um, you know, make their mark in society. So it was, it's, it continues to be a, a learning lesson for me. And I've, I've actually taken a lot of the 
experiences from those early youth uh, hockey teams um, to make myself better as a leader mm-hmm. in, in in my job today. I would I would really like to learn more about you know how is women's ice hockey different from men like you mentioned that you know they're they're very different and you're learning your lessons I'm I'm quite curious about that. Yeah, so I, I think if you if you for those that don't know the game of ice hockey, there's a lot of great YouTube videos and coaching books you can read. But really, boys they have this aspiration that they're going to be in the National Hockey League, which is the top pro level, right? So mm-hmm. they go out there, they're they're doing all the tricks, they're trying to be individuals. Um, you know, they they see the superstars and they think I need to be that individual. On the mm-hmm. girl side, unfortunately, there really is not a high level. Uh, you can't make a living as a professional female um, ice hockey player. There are a couple leagues. Many of those girls have to pay their own expenses, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. They have to have second jobs. And it really is just a continuation of a hobby. But what you notice is that on the girls' side, there's less of that individuality and it's more of like, Hey, we want to succeed as a team. You know, we're different, right? We're there's, there's a very small subset of the world that plays hockey. There's an even more smaller subset that plays female ice hockey. So the, the girls look at it more as a camaraderie being around whereas as the boys look at it as, as hot dogging individuals. And, and it took me a second to realize that. But once I realized that I, I, I started thinking about like, wow, there's a lot of similarities to bringing a team of, of female ice hockey players together as there is building and constructing a team at work. This brings me back to a very important question that most of my community members uh, discuss with me. In your case, having women athletes, they have uh, an organic camaraderie because they are a very rare group. They're a very small group. But at the same time, as a coach, you still have to work on, you know, putting that sense of belonging and having that team spirit uh, in them. And this question is especially close to my heart because I struggled with feeling belonged in school. As much as I love my school, but uh, feeling of belonging wasn't there. And in my opinion, it was only, hey, you're going to feel belonged only when the other person accepts you. So what can a coach do to have that sense of belonging in the team? Yeah, that, that's a really, it, it's interesting. And, and thank you for sharing sort of your experience with, with school. Um, I think one of the things that you have to recognize is what is it? It's a mm-hmm. team. And I think, you know, I, when I contrasted boys versus girls, I led with, and again, boys do have very succinct teams, but they usually lead with the individual. So what what we do with the team is it is about the team. It's about making the team better. And your role, whether you're the superstar or whether it's your second year playing, um, your you have a job within that team. The goal of the team is to be better so that next year when you go on to another team, you take those values. And, and so you really have to coach again. And again, it's 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 capped, right? The, 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 the rosters are usually capped at 20, right? Sometimes you have 13, sometimes you have 15. So you know, it's not like there's all of a sudden 40, right? Like some of the larger organizations we talk about. So you can really start to figure out and, and plan the team preseason, right? So one of the things that I, I love to do is grab uh, a pre before we even get into the season. So the ice hockey season um, usually is starts in August and goes all the way through to the end of April. So about this time in the summer, get the team together off ice, 
introduce everyone. There might be new folks that moved into town. There might be folks that were injured last year and didn't play. And really just start breaking down, um, you know, introductions. Um, what are you trying to achieve? What do you want to get out of this season? The same thing that I, I actually do when I when I interview uh, candidates, right? Is like I start that discussion, tell them a little bit about the team. When they come into the organization, it's not like, here's your assignment of accounts, go get it. It's here's a team. Let's talk with these people. Let's build some camaraderie. So if you do that off the ice and you understand where, Niha, what you're trying to achieve out of this season, I now know, and I can coach to that. I, I now know what um, you what you think you want to get to and then how I can help enable that. And you do that with 20 different people. And if if you if you think about that and supporting the team versus the individual, you 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 get better results, in my opinion. What I'm hearing is that it's not just about play; it's really about understanding the person just yes. as they are, what their motivations are at an individual level, and then combining it with the team. And when an individual player knows that. My coach has my back somewhere, anything that's, you know, standing in the way of him collaborating with others or making friends with others or just playing a free flow game without worrying about his own, um, you know, agenda that that comes in and probably that brings in the bonding. So would I be correct in understanding that? It, it is right. And and I think, look, you, you have folks that sometimes are uh, outliers. They don't buy into the philosophy uh, right mm -hmm. away. And it mm -hmm. becomes very apparent, right? Like you, you know, from your work experience and from your school experience, people who who are bought into the philosophy, right? Now, it doesn't mean that they're bad people because they don't buy in immediately. But your job is to make sure that you sort of have that core together, and that you're trying to lure people in so that they understand the value, right? So mm -hmm. some folks are, are afraid uh, that they're going to mess up. Screwing up is okay. Making mistakes is okay. Falling down in practice is okay. Um, it's how you act without the puck is is what we often say, right? Because people often watch the person who doesn't have the puck because the expectation in the game of hockey is that person might end up with the puck. So if your mm -hmm. if your demeanor is down, if you're facing the wrong way um, and not ready, like those are the little things. So to be successful might be something metaphorically as silly as just churning your body to be in position to receive that stick. And so you start to notice that. And that that's the same thing in a team, right? You know, folks who may not believe in the philosophy, we're going to have hockey stick growth. Sorry to use that. We're going to, you know, our <laughs> NRR is going to go. It's funny how that worked out. Um, you know, our NR, they might not believe that, but if they can see the impact that they can have towards success, whether it's, you know, a micro step or a, a giant step, they'll start to believe, right? And it's not all about the big wins. It's not about winning whatever the championship is. It might be going deeper in the season. It might be um, winning a game against a team that you lost to last year. Like you, we have to understand that in, in, in sports and in business, this is my philosophy. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to win it all every year. You just have to continue to improve. And improvement can be that the team is better suited for next season. I have like some tons of questions that have just come yeah, out of <laughs> whatever you have uh, explained right now. So a couple of things that stand out are, what I'm sensing is that as a coach, you're really creating an environment where that bonding and the performance can happen. You, you can only control that environment by giving them the right message, by making sure that 
they're not really worried too much about their individual agenda. You're just giving them a sense that, hey, it's okay. So if you're a person who's worried about messing up, you're sending him a message that it's okay. Just play your best game. It's it's all right as long as you are improving. So that's, that is something very actionable. And I think that gives you know us leaders something to do when things are falling apart. What do you do with superstars? It's really interesting, right? I think you superstars are either really good skill-wise mm. or, or there could be a superstar who's a great leader amongst the team, like the team captain, or there could be the people who think they're superstars because their parents told them, mm-hmm. a coach four years ago told them. Um, the, the reality is, your actions as a leader um, is not to you know to be the face of the team. It's to make the person who's you know like at the bottom of the skill level or the bottom of the confidence level better. Like that's mm-hmm. how you really start to like if you are going to be a true superstar. It's not about going out and scoring goals. It's about making the people around you better. And by that is are they making that that step forward so that next year they're in a better place. I've had superstars go out there and body language positioning um, and, you know, they get really down on themselves because I I think folks, you you tend to see this folks who are at an elite level, take the losses very hard. And the reality Mm -hmm. is we all make mistakes. We all fall down. um, We we all need to get up and, and, and sort of recalibrate. And I think one of the things without, without like coddling is just, letting the, the the superstars know that they're really no different than anyone else, right? That, that mm-hmm. we all get up in the morning, we all brush our teeth, hopefully. Um, you know, we all put on clothes. Like we're, we're all really the same. And, and just because you have a better skill doesn't mean you're not vulnerable. Doesn't mean that you don't make the same mistakes as, as you or I would. Got it. So essentially it's same rules for everyone. If, you do well, you don't do well, you're vulnerable. Remember, it's, a, it, it's team but, rules. It's team mm-hmm. rules. Like, like I, the same thing that I have in, in my team today, Percursive and in another team, there's no separate rules for the senior CSM versus the uh, associate CSM, mm-hmm. right? Like they're, they're treated the same because they both can get better. They both can do different things to, to, to achieve success, they can work together. So it's a team goal and you're part of the team. Part of my hiring philosophy, which is not for everyone, is um, I actually have different members of the team just have a conversation, not an interview, just a conversation because can they build rapport on that conversation? Yes mm-hmm. or no? Because you're going to mm-hmm. be a peer, you're going to be working together, you're going to be pointing out flaws, you're going to be um, working to you know through tough situations. Um, but the reality is, when you go on a conversation with a client, it's going to be the same thing. So I, I love to get the input of others, and again, it's treating the superstar or the senior person the same as the junior person. Understood. Understood. So that brings me to. To another thing, uh, there have been so many times when I was leading a team and I was, I did not have a support system. It was mm. like, you know, it gets lonely at the top. Um, when you have peers, you can quickly go there, hey, you know, what did you do? How did you handle this client or whatever? 
but as a leader, what do you do to create that support system in terms of managing your teams, in terms of creating that communication, in terms of setting that culture? Each of them is a is a challenge, and sometimes we don't have the required experience. One of the things, and this actually took me a long time to to learn, Niha, was that I'm not going to be able to read about every situation. I'm not going to be able to go away and think about it on my own and work it out. Um, and, and it t- it took me. This is actually an evolving thing for me personally. Um, is is understanding? You know, I preach about you know the vulnerability and 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 you know making mistakes and getting better. It took me a, a while to realize that it's okay to get into these situations and it's okay to ask for help. So what I've done is I've spent the last probably three to four years just talking with anyone um, because you'll find out even at the most junior level to the most senior level, the problems are really all the same. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've I've built a really strong support network of people that I can call, I can text, I can jump on a Zoom and just say, look, I have this situation. I, I'm not sure how to either get out of it or how to, you know, and then someone will say, have you thought about it from this angle? And it's like, actually, I didn't even think about that. And so it, it was me actually being, training, my, uh, opening my mind to to start to, bring other people into the situation that weren't in the organization. I, and I would strongly recommend to those in your network um, that that listen to you that if if you don't have a, a a group of people, and I have five or six people that that I could call in the next half hour and, and run a situation by, if you don't have that, work to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the, even, even the, the top CEOs or what we perceive as the top CEOs in, in the world they all have leadership coaches because they've recognized that they can't do it on their own. And yes, it is lonely at the top, but I actually don't feel lonely. I've never been like, I'm isolated. Um, 10 years ago, definitely. You have imposter syndrome. You've gotten into situations you never cared about. The The, the contracts were larger. The deals were larger. Um, but now, uh, th- there's really no situation where I'm like, again, we... we we're in the software business, so it's not life or death. Um, but yeah, building out a support system is is super um, uh, important, in my opinion. It also lets you test what you think are good ideas mm-hmm, and, and, mm-hmm. and get that peer review, which is super important. Amazing. You also talked about you know having coaches and having mentors and having people you could just call in the next half an hour. So a couple of things to unpack here for a new leader. Um, some of them are introverts. They're not very open about, you know, reaching out to people, having those connections. And even if they're talking about, it, they're probably not very strategic about it, that are we are they connecting with the right kind of people? You know, uh, how, how did you have a mentor in in your life? Or if someone, you, how do you figure out that, hey, there's someone in my team and I would love to mentor this person. If somebody wanted to attract your mentorship, what, what could that person do? Or if if you have your experience of attracting a mentor, I would love to hear. Yeah, that. so so a couple of things. Uh, so uh, let, let me sort of break this down. Um, I was really fortunate. My father was very successful in business. Um, I I really looked up to him. He he always had the books. He always had the business weeks. The you know the 
all the journals and whatnot. So there was like a curiosity as I was, you know, playing with cars and and things like that and electronics that I that business stuff was there. So I, I actually sort of had that ingrained. I think the, the interesting point is um, like how do introverts get, get involved? And I think the the idea is there must be a way to coax that out of them. So. For instance, mm-hmm. I, I I started this group um, with my friend Ronnie called the Innovation Inquirers, and it's really just a it's a there's no real agenda. We talk about business topics and whatnot. And what I've noticed is we, we'll bring people on, and they'll just listen, and they'll take notes, and then maybe offline they'll ask questions. So that's a great way for an introvert just get to the edge of the room, start mm-hmm. listening, start understanding. Um, you know, if if you're in a group setting, usually if there's a monitor, they'll 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 coax it out of you and start working with that. So that that's that's one way as an introvert is like just get to the edge, test it, listen, reach out. So how do you attract a mentor? I think it's a lot easier in in 2023. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks on on LinkedIn, for instance, um, and, and there's a lot of good on LinkedIn. There's a lot of bad, but most people will give you 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. I may. Starting out as a CSM, I've never done it before. Um, do you have 15 minutes to talk to me? Like you can literally ask a message like that. And I would guess the success rate would be 75%. Right. So like that's a great way to to get now, now how how do I attract um you know folks that like mentees? It really just comes from building a relationship, right? So I'm I'm on an, a couple of advisory boards for some startups. It just started as conversations. They started reaching out. I saw that the product, I saw that maybe there was something that I could help them with. And it just, it's a relationship, right? Like life is a, is relationships. Building a team is relationships. Um, you know, working in a chaotic environment is about balancing relationships and boundaries. And so if, you know, if folks are scared to reach out because they think they're, they fear rejection, I would honestly advise just just try take a shot at it because you'll get more comfortable at it you'll refine the message and one of those outreaches will connect and you'll you'll get get what you need that's amazing and i i can vouch for the fact that when you reach out to people on linkedin they give you time i've i've experienced it first i mean this is how you and i got together you actually I, I you reached out to someone who is actually one of those six people that I I could call in the next half hour. I saw it. I'm like, hey, and then we connected, and you're like, hey, would you like to start talking? Right, yeah. correct. Yes. Very easy, right? Like, yes. I think that that's that's an acceptable thing um, in 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 2023. And I'll also say that I I don't know if it's guilt. I I actually feel that I was very closed minded early on in my career. And mm-hmm. I thought that I could figure it out on my own. And, and so now where I realize that when I've opened my doors to other folks and, and different ideas, I almost want to give back, right? Because like how many of those interactions did I miss 10, 15 years ago that I probably should have been open to? So like, I, it's not like, I don't feel shame or guilt about it, but I always like, I try to give blocks of time each week for folks that reach out. So you're making up for the lost time. <laughs> makes me makes me feel better. Yeah, I guess. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, people get get something out of it, right? Like, again, we've all approached people, and it it was a bad time, and it, we didn't get what we need, or we didn't feel the conversation went well. That's okay, right? It, it's it's not a personal thing. It's just you know, take take a shot. True, true. 
No, I absolutely agree. I think most of the great things that have come to me are when I when I really got out of my comfort zone, reached out to the people. And yes, I heard a lot of no, absolutely. Uh, but just to let our audiences know, there are lots of supportive and collaborative folks out there who would love to hear you, who would love to help you, uh, Graham being one of them. And please reach out to him on LinkedIn. I'll put yeah. the link in the show notes for sure. Graham, I'm sorry if you're going to get inundated after no, this. No, that's all right. I, I, it's fu- it's funny. I, I, and I rant about LinkedIn quite a bit because there are good and bad. But um, I, I do really find myself most of my most valuable insights and connections have been random. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got my job that I'm in today from a random connection. I met our CEO, Jonathan. I was on his podcast. We hit it off, started talking. Fast forward a year and a half, we decided to work together, right? So like, I'm actually a a perfect example. 10, 15 years ago, that never would have happened. No, I I absolutely hear you. In fact, they actually say that it's not really your first level connections that are all that important as much as the connections of your connections. And even when you talk about mentorship, um, it's better if it evolves organically, you know, rather than you just coming and saying, hey, can you mentor me? It, it's more like, hey, we are connecting and I'm asking you questions and I see you as a person who happens to be an authority in the domain. And, and there's this very organic connection that develops. And before you know, you have a mentor in your life. Yeah, I mean, think about how you, you handle it. It's always fascinating to me how how people handle their personal lives one way and there's like a set of rules and some expectations and then business right like if your car breaks down and you have a friend who happens to know how to you know mechanics you're going to call them it's not be, it's not because like all of a sudden you just call up a, a mechanic but like you've built that relationship you know what they're good at you trust them you know that they'll come over on a sunday and give up their family time to, to work with like the same thing in business right we have the, the the worst thing to do on the flip side is hey i'd like to you know reach out and then try selling something right like mm-hmm. i would never do that um I, salespeople do it it's fine um but organic relationships are, it's a long game Right. Mm-hmm. And and you're not you're not seeding those relationships for like immediate, it's for the future. And it, it's right. I, I used this analogy the other day. I, I look at life now uh in the last five years as sort of like a marketing funnel, right? Like you bring in a hundred <laughs> leads, six of them convert, three of them stick with you. So if you have all these balls in the air and you have a diverse network and you have a diverse set of people you can you can run ideas by. That's going to help you in the long run, and and that's how you know I, I look at mentorship, right? I mean, there, there's folks that are mentoring me right now, um, but we've never had the conversation about it. Right, right. That's exactly what I was talking about. That most of the people who end up helping you are your mentors, and you never sat down and had a mentorship agreement with them, or they weren't assigned to you, like you know, interns yeah. are assigned mentors sometimes. Yeah, and, and and to be to be truthful with you, there are folks who, if you were to look title wise, are below me. I get more value from from our our discussions at that level than I do with you know my peers at the C level. And the reason why is if you go back to the team, is being able to connect at both levels. 
usually at the lower level is where like things they're trying to figure out. They're trying to figure out the role. Maybe that maybe work got pushed down. It could be automated. And if you don't if you don't hear about that and understand the plight of of the folks on the team, um, how are you going to be able to make it better? And so yeah, I th- there's people I talk to that. Um, th- there's one person uh, I won't, I won't mention them, but they're by name, but they literally will hit my, my Calendly, um, and just put time on my calendar and we'll talk and it will turn into this like, Oh wait, I actually didn't realize that this was going on in that specific space. So I continue to learn at all levels too. And I, I it, m- mentorship is, doesn't have to be a hierarchical thing to, is yeah. what I guess I'm trying to get at. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's amazing. So while you mention it, I think for the audience, I want to bring it out very explicitly that when you are networking, when you're when you're building your support system, it's very easy to uh, to fall in the trap that you should network with people who have higher designations, who have you know higher decision making powers. Fine, but you you really need networks across. You have to network up. You have to network down. Um, and and that's a horrible analogy of up and down. But no, no, I, just it, for the it, ease it of sense. you know explaining it. So I think we should you know just put it out explicitly so that anyone who's working on their networking strategy, they they really connect with people and don't use their designations or their decision making powers as a as a filter. So you you just don't know what you're going to learn. I, I would also add one additional thing, right? Like in. I, I actually see a lot of people making this, I don't want to say mistake because it's not for me to judge, but let's just take customer success for for example. Um, if you're in customer success today and all of the people you're trying to network with and all the people you're trying to get insight from are only in customer success, what happens if you move into operations? Then you have to start at ground zero, right? And And so like, Customer success is just a very small part of what I personally do and what, what my interests are. So, I, you know, I'll reach out to accountants mm-hmm. because I have an operational mind and, and I love that stuff. And part of being in operations is understanding financial structures and all that fun stuff. So if you look at that, it, so like it, it's diversifying the folks you reach out to because you might actually say, look, I am sick of being an accountant, being in customer success, what else is out there? And you won't know that unless you take it, take a swing. So I, I've actually, as recently as I think maybe three weeks, reached out to a completely out of left field, mm-hmm. um, a, a scientist, because I was, I read an article and something that they were doing, and I knew nothing about it. And I literally said, "Hey, look, this is going to sound weird. I don't know anything about this. I'm kind of interested. You have 15 minutes. Next day, we're on, we're on a quick call." Wow, what kind of scientist? Uh, it was uh, around uh, neuro- like brain, the brain stuff, and he had oh. written an article about. And I was like, kind of curious. Like, I, I, I basically inferred the completely wrong thing of what he was trying to communicate in his article. Um, it was he was basically studying brain waves and all sorts of stuff. And I thought there was some deeper meaning to it. And he's like, no, basically, I'm just trying to figure this out in these these brain waves. So I was kind of interested in, it, but it was like something that I would never have done and nothing, you know, in the past, but I took a shot. Now, am I ever going to go be a a scientist and, and study brainwaves? Probably not, but it was, it was interesting. It was a diverse, and I, I learned a lot from it. And I'm sure I'll reach back out to him again. True. And you just can't put a limit to what insight you're going to draw from a different discipline. 
there was this article I was reading where they actually figured out uh, how to create a pit stop for uh, racing car- cars based on how the patients in the ICU are kept. Yes. So, and and it was so amazing. I mean, you you just look at how they design the machines and everything, how they plug in everything for a patient in the ICU. And there's the same principle that applies to cars in the pit stop. So yeah, just diversify your connections, talk to people. And if you are an introvert, just try getting out of your comfort zone for all you know, you might enjoy it. And I'm an introvert and have completely enjoyed collaborating. Yeah, I think another thing that, you know, we talk about like the electronic and LinkedIn and, and sites like that. But th- there's also if you're if you're in an area um, that has, you know, population and there are, there's got to be other people. So whether it's a meetup, um, whether it's, you know, a, a tech event or a conference, those are great things. Um, you know, I, I was recently out at um, at Pulse in San Francisco, which is the Gainsight Conference, and the amount of people that were just lurking in the in the outside it's got a huge place where you can kind of lurk that weren't even at the co- conference but were interested in customer success mm-hmm. and so literally you're standing around with the top leaders in customer success walking by you and so you like maybe you go up to a table like th- there's all little things that you can do right you can you, you ne- networking isn't just hide behind a keyboard and i think that's something that we're, we're starting to we're falling into the trap is we're losing those personal skills, right? You, you have to get it. You still have to be able to communicate with people and you have to take a shot. And I think you also have to be vulnerable that at times people are going to just cut you off and say, look, I don't have the time for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I now want to move towards talking about how or what does leadership mean to you? How do you think about it? I, I actually, it's, it's interesting. I think about it. Well, it's interesting to me. Maybe not. Maybe not to you and to your listeners. <laughs> but I, I, I revert back to the team concept, right? So yes, there's a head coach who's you know the, the the figurehead and has to deal with the angry parents. But what a really good head coach does is is brings along a, a solid coaching staff, right? Mm-hmm. So at, at youth level, it's assistant coaches. At the next level, it's video coaches and strength training coaches. Um, I, I think about that as from the team aspect, right? So uh, m- my job as a leader is obviously we have KPIs and all that stuff we have to get to, but is to make sure that the team and the individuals in that team are taking a step forward in a positive direction well under my leadership. Th- that's the umbrella that I, that I, in my, how I kind of view leadership there's going to be different methods. There's going to be different methodologies, right? I mean, there's going to be different approaches, but the, at the end of the day, when this team is together, are they getting better so that when they leave and move on, they're in a better place than when they came into the team? Same thing is that that's the, that's the youth hockey program, right? Like, am, am I really responsible for a, a, a uh, someone making the NHL at 10 years old? Absolutely not. But am I part of that journey that could get them there someday? A hundred percent. And that that's mm-hmm. kind of how I, I, I look at leadership. So it's not just a philosophy. It's not a dictatorship. It is a team. Um, you know, you're only as, I think the cliche is you're only as strong as your, your weakest link. So if you make your weakest link incrementally better, your team gets incrementally better. Um, your, your, your results get incrementally 
in- incrementally better tongue twister there, right? So expansions, renewals, if you're thinking about customer success, um, you know, uh, tightening the sales message all makes your team incrementally better. And that's kind of how I, 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 that's my philosophy is the time we're together, we're going to figure it out. We're all going to get something out of it. We're going to, we're going to work hard. We're also going to have fun, right? Because I think that's something that's often, um, and we do this at the at the team. We celebrate wins, and the win is not necessarily a championship. I think you and I had mm-hmm. talked about this early on, right? A, a, a win could be beating the team that you lost to last year. I, I mentioned that earlier. A win could be, um, you know, only losing by five goals instead of ten goals, right? Like that, you have to celebrate those those incremental wins, and and that's sort of how I. I I govern and, and lead. Also, how do you act during a loss? How do you how do you how do you act when you're down 21 points? Or that's a football, but like let's say you're down five goals in hockey. It's just as important to keep trying and to, to hold your head high and to come off that ice, go back into that locker room, quickly recalibrate, understand where things went wrong, and try to make it better next time. We lose clients. It's unfortunate. It, it hurts. CSMs do not like losing clients. Um, sales deals break down. Salespeople hate that. Um, you know, the, the whatever analogy in your industry. But are you rebounding? And are you are you holding your head high? And are you keeping the morale up in the in the bad times? And are you celebrating the good times? So, if a leader gives you a sense that. This is hopeless and it's it's a blame game and you know you feel just that there's no way out of this. I think you've lost it completely. But at the same time, if you're with somebody where you are encouraged to take account to take responsibility, okay, fine, you know, this mistake was made. But this is not a permanent situation. We can do something about it. And and I think you need a leader or a coach to give you that shot of adrenaline when when you're yeah. down in the dumps. I mean, look, how many, again, I, I I don't know if you've been on teams before and w- when things are going bad, you, you look to the superstar because they're going to go out and make it better and they're going to make the play. What happens if they don't? Does that mean they're still not a, a great score? No. Does it mean that all hope is lost because that, that one game they didn't, you know, put in three goals and, and come from behind win? Absolutely not. So I think we need to, you know, you talk about the the the, the parity on teams, and you know, there, there's there's subtleties and there's coaching that needs to happen when um, expected outcomes don't happen. Because are they really expected? I don't know. Just because it happened mm-hmm. ten times before doesn't mean it's going to happen on the eleventh time. That's okay. Again, in, in my case, we're selling software. There'll be other software deals. There'll be other clients. Right? We're not. It's not rocket science, not brain science. (laughs) Absolutely. So we we can control what we can control. We can control the processes. We can control our improvement. We can control our feedback and working on that feedback. And when we look at the results, we can be sensible about it. And and also unexpected uh, outcomes or unexpected um, uh, barriers get you thinking. So, you know, you talk about the space program, you talk about like, Things happen. You, you, they didn't leave the space, you know, the Apollo up there, and, and say, "Well, we'll, we'll figure." I mean, they they use some ingenuity. And if you don't have that adversity as a team, if you don't have those losses um, against teams that you should win, how do you how do you handle it when it really does matter? Mm. Right? Um, mm-hmm. How do you get yourself out of a? I mean, that's one of the things I often talk about. Is you know, I've I've 
I've made a lot of mistakes, right? I've made mistakes as an individual. I've made mistakes as a, as a team leader. Um, and so like, could, could I, could others benefit from that? Sure. You can go down there. I'll tell you, if you go down that path, it's pretty hard to get back on the highway because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty sticky over there, but I, I would never have known that unless I made that mistake 15 years ago. So I think a team also just going back is here's four pillars. You're not going to hurt anything in here, but trial and error, figure out your, 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 you know, work with, with a, a teammate, come up with a, a new approach or process. Like, I think leaders don't coaches foster that. I don't see a lot of leaders also taking that off the ice and into like into the office, right? It's like, you can experiment with this, right? I don't care how you set up the project management office. As long as we get deliver the projects on time and efficiently with great margin, do I care if it's a seven step process or a one step process? That's, that's a lot of uh, things that we can work on and what you have unpacked are there's so many factors that are in your control. So just don't get overwhelmed with things that just seem out of your control. So we're, we're, we're talking about the interpersonal relationships that we can have with our team members. We can talk about um, networking with them. We can talk about reaching out to people who we think can help us, can mentor us. Um, you, you really talked about very deeply in terms of how can you look at your wins. I mean, there was a whole different way of looking at winning for the teams. And again, the whole attitude you need to have towards losses. So if you had to give an advice to a leader who was a new leader making their way to become a more consummate leader, what is that one advice you would give to them? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> one advice I give to a new leader. Um, well, I, I'll, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to give two. I'm going okay. to say... Um, it's a lot harder than you think it is. Um, but also surround yourself with really strong folks, meaning whether it's a peer, whether it's the next level below you, whether it's someone outside of the organization, you're going to need it. We talk about the loneliness at top. We know the fear of making decisions. Um, you know, We talk about going into a boardroom where all eyes are on you because you missed the KPIs you're going to need a strong support system. And that starts even before you get in that seat, which is why we kind of had that conversation earlier. I'm going to just highlight that as part of this podcast takeaway that just make sure whatever you do, create your support system. And the earlier you create it, the better it is because it's only going to get stronger from there on. And one thing that I would add is once you create it, please nurture it. It takes yes. an effort to nurture your support system. Um, yeah, a support system should not be, you know, you only reach out and call in emergencies, right? I mean, yeah. it's, you, you need you need a support system that's with you for the good times that might say, hey, look, it's going really good right now, Neha, but are you prepared for X, Y, and Z? And, and on the inverse, you want, you want someone that will pick up the phone when you're struggling. That's true. That's true. So thanks so much for being a guest on Bridge to Leadership, sharing such amazing insights. And I'm so excited to be sharing a lot of things with our audience today. And hope you have a great day ahead, Graham. All right. Thank you, Niha. It was really good talking to you. I appreciate it. Thank you. So that's it, folks. 
You have been listening to Bridge to Leadership, a platform where leaders find their kindred spirits. I'm your host Neha Singh. Know more about us on bridgetoleadership.in. You can also follow us on LinkedIn. The link is in the show notes.